All right, so today we'll, we'll be looking at uh, day five, and we're getting a lot uh, closer to the, the end of Genesis 1 and the completion of God's creation. And uh, last week, uh, we uh, considered day four uh, with the creation of the stars, and there God began to uh, populate uh, his creation and uh, the inhabitable, productive environments that he created in the first three days. Uh, and so... Uh, then seeing that he was uh, the sovereign uh, creator uh, even over the uh, the, the stars, uh, although Moses avoided using uh, the words sun, sun and moon. Uh, and then in day five, uh, we'll see that he's going to continue uh, populating the inhabitable environments. Uh, now uh, with the fish and with the, the birds uh, and these are the first of his living creatures that are now uh, coming into the creation and uh, he'll actually uh, bless them. It's the first time that he will bless. Uh, and then on uh, day, day six, uh, he'll, he'll finish populating it with uh, uh, the beasts and with uh, man and uh, ultimately placing everything under uh, man's feet, although man is uh, under uh, God of course. And then the components of day five, uh, there's a command for the waters to swarm with uh, swarms of living things and for the birds to appear. Uh, and then uh, there's an action uh, where he, he'll create, uh, followed by an evaluation. And uh, then, as I said, a, a first speech of, uh, of blessing, which is a very important uh, not just for uh, day five and not just for uh, Genesis one, uh, but really all of Genesis and all of the Bible. Uh, blessing is one of the, the key themes in the, the whole Bible. Uh, and the counterpart to that is uh, cursing, uh, which is, will also be an important uh, theme once we get into Genesis three uh, with the fall. Uh, and then the result of uh, day uh, five, uh, we'll see that the, the creation is now uh, teeming uh, and beginning to, to be filled uh, with living, uh, thriving uh, creatures. And now I'll read through days four through uh, six. And then we'll get into the text. So beginning in verse 14. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons, and for days and for years. Uh, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures, 
and every living creature that moves, uh, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, uh, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there is evening, and there is morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them and said, God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant-yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in it, its fruit, uh, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And there is evening, and there is morning, the sixth day. Now, I forgot to tell you in our overview that also, uh, as we mentioned, I think on day two and maybe in our overview of Genesis, uh, that there's uh, not a report on day five, uh, just as there isn't an evaluation on day two. And uh, that's just Moses reordering things a bit and uh, changing things up uh, because it's it's not poetry, but it's uh, historical uh, narrative. And now, uh, first we'll look at the command, uh, and we'll, we'll look at the animals uh, and their environments. Uh, but then I really want to focus on the, the meaning and significance of the phrase, a living uh, creature. Uh, and then we'll, we'll look at the, the action, blessing, and evaluation. And so, uh, verse 20 uh, says, And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. Uh, and so here we, we see again that God uh, creates by his sovereign and powerful uh, word uh, that calls all things into being. Uh, every one of his creatures uh, depends 
on God's word uh, for their very uh, existence. Uh, and then uh, we also see uh, that uh, there are swarms of living uh, creatures uh, they calls forth in the sea. Uh, and uh, this uh, certainly represents uh, all the varieties of the, the animals and the life that uh, he's calling into existence uh, and to fill the seas. Uh, and also for the, uh, the birds, uh, let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. Uh, here again, uh, it's every winged flying uh, bird kind of creature uh, that fills the sky. And Moses isn't meaning to give a, an exhaustive uh, taxonomy uh, of all of the, the varieties of creatures that uh, God created in these uh, instances of, of special, uh, immediate, powerful creation. Uh, and then we see that their uh, habitats, uh, many commentators uh, say, and we, we've talked about this a bit before, uh, that uh, many say that the, the fish and the birds uh, in day five uh, correspond to uh, day two. And we, we can look at uh, day two, uh, verse six. Uh, and God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there is evening and there is morning the second day. Uh, and so they see, uh, look, see here that the, the, the heavens are created. Uh, and so the, the birds are uh, filling and flying uh, across the, the heavens uh, as their backdrop. Uh, in the, wa the fish are in the waters below. Uh, and that's, that's true, uh, but if you remember day three, uh, the waters were gathered together uh, into their gathering places, uh, and God named them uh, seas. Uh, and the fish uh, dwell in the seas. Uh, for it says in verse 22, uh, And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply uh, on the earth. Uh, and so it corresponds to, uh, to day three as well. And the environments, uh, the major ones seem to be named. I mean, you have the day and the night, uh, the, the heavens, the expanse is named heavens. Uh, the gathered waters are named seas. Uh, the dry land is named earth, and that's where uh, man and beast will be. Uh, although even here it says, let the birds multiply on, on the earth. Uh, and then the, the sun, moon, and stars, uh, as you remember, uh, yeah, they supported the light on day one, uh, but the stars are also in the, uh, the, the heavens. I guess you could even say, uh, that they give light upon uh, the the earth. So uh, even in their uh, their function, uh, they're they're still making the, uh, the the world more productive and supporting the creation of light on on day one and uh, taking over the uh, the the torch uh, as it were. Uh, and then uh, he says, "Let the waters swarm with swarms of living." Uh, creatures uh, and so 
this pictures uh, groupings of creatures uh, darting around and uh, searching this way and that and uh, teeming uh, through the, the, the waters and uh, filling them. Uh, and then it repeats, uh, swarm, uh, the, the verb, let them swarm uh, with swarms of living creatures and life. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, to me, it, it really uh, gives just kind of the image of life uh, filling the, the creation and these, these active creatures in the, uh, the world that started empty but now is uh, being, being filled with life. Uh, and so th these are the creatures in their environments. Uh, now I want to look at this uh, idea of a living creature, or in Hebrew, a nefesh hayah. Uh, and we'll uh, look at uh, what living creature means, uh, who or what is a living creature, and how they are distinct uh, from uh, plants and uh, plant life, vegetation. Uh, so first, let's look at what living creature means. And so we see that the, the swarms are composed of, of living uh, creatures. Uh, in this uh, word, uh, nefesh, hayah just means a living, uh, something that's alive. Uh, but a nefesh can mean many different things. It's actually a really complicated word. Uh, many things that mean uh, very closely related ideas. Uh, so it can refer to life, uh, to the soul, uh, to inclinations and desires, uh, and even uh, the, the, the very uh, source of those inclinations and desires and location is the soul. Uh, and then uh, historically it seems to go back to, uh, to a meaning of, of breath, uh, but that's almost not found in the Hebrew Bible anymore. And so it wore out, except in, in verse 30, uh, it, uh, it does uh, seem to, to mean breath. And uh, there are some places where uh, it seems to be closely associated with breath, but uh, for the most part, uh, it doesn't carry that meaning anymore. In uh, here, uh, it just means uh, uh, it's referring to creatures or, or beings, uh, the Bible Sense Lexicon defines it as any living thing, animal or human, a characterized by voluntary movement, often used to speak collectively of living creatures as a group. And so a voluntary movement uh, uh, by, uh, by their own inclinations or choice, uh, and not necessarily for all the animals, uh, their, uh, their actions may not be uh, quite as voluntary and rational as humans or where we can really reason and think about how we want to act, but uh, still they, they voluntarily act and uh, move about. Uh, in Bruce uh, Waltke in the Theological Word Book of the Old Testament says, in Genesis 2 verse 7, man became a living creature. Uh, the substantive, and that's just the noun creature, uh, must not be taken in the metaphysical theological sense uh, in which we tend to use this term soul today. Uh, precisely the same Hebrew expression, nefesh hayah, a living creature, a traditionally rendered living soul, uh, occurs in Genesis 1 
verses 20, 21, and 24. In other words, man is here being associated with the other creatures as sharing in the passionate experience of life and is not being defined as distinct uh, from them. Uh, And so here we're seeing uh, more how man is similar to the other creatures, uh, whereas, Lord willing, uh, next week we'll look at how man is uh, very different and distinctive from the the creatures being created in the the image of God. Uh, And this brings us from from what it means to uh, who or what uh, is uh, considered a, a living creature. Uh, And so we'll see that it includes uh, both man and animals uh, while excluding uh, plants, uh, vegetation. Uh, Whereas uh, we might think that vegetation is uh, is living uh, in a similar way to animals, uh, biblically uh, the the Israelites made a sharper distinction uh, between uh, vegetation uh, and uh, animals, uh, living, uh, living creatures. And so they're not to be viewed in the exact same way. Yeah, they're creations of God, uh, but animals are, are distinct, and animal life and death uh, is different than uh, plant uh, life and death. Uh, so first, uh, of the, the animals, uh, we see it includes the, the water uh, or the aquatic uh, animals. Uh, so in Genesis uh 1 verse 20, uh, it says, And God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. Uh, And so all of the the swarms, all of the the variety that are filling and surging through the the waters, uh, all of them are uh, living creatures. They're they're nefesh hayah. Uh, We we could also uh, look at uh, Ezekiel 47 verse 9. Uh, and then the, uh, it includes land or terrestrial uh, animals. Uh, and so in Genesis 1, verse 24, uh, And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds. And now here are different types of living creatures. Livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. Uh, and so the, the land-dwelling creatures, the aquatic, the land-dwelling. Uh, and then uh, we have some where we, we find the, uh, the, the land uh, and the, the flying or the aerial uh, animals. So in Genesis 2, verse 19, uh, where God uh, creates uh, animals and brings them to, uh, to the man uh, to name them all, uh, it reads, uh, Now... Out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. And so uh, he brought uh, the varieties and kinds of the uh, the land animals and the uh, flying creatures, uh, and they're, they're all uh, every living uh, creature. Uh, and then 
uh, we also see the, the water, land, and air creatures uh, all, uh, all grouped uh, together. Uh, at the very least, land and air, but probably referring to the water too. Uh, in Genesis uh, 1, verse 30, I'll begin in 29. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant uh, for food. Uh, and so all of these, anything that's nefesh hayah, has uh, the breath of life, which is also nefesh hayah here. Just the meaning is slightly, slightly different. Uh, and then we could also give uh, four examples after the flood in, in chapter 9 uh, of uh, where God even speaks of uh, every living creature of all flesh that is on the of the earth, all that came came out of the uh, the ark, two by two, uh, and then it's not just the animals that are living creatures, but uh, man himself is a living creature. Uh, in Genesis two verse seven, uh, Moses says, uh, "Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became." a living creature. Uh, and so uh, man and the beasts and the fish and the birds are all a living uh, creatures. Uh, now I want to consider how living creatures are different and distinct uh, from plants. So I, I have uh, five uh, five reasons and uh, could could give uh, even more, but here are some of the main ones. Uh, we've covered some of them already. Uh, animals are living creatures, nefesh hayah. Uh, plants are not. Uh, they're they're not called uh, living creatures. Uh, animals have the breath of life. Uh, plants uh, do not. Uh, third. Animals have life uh, in their blood. Uh, plants uh, do not. Uh, and so, uh, for example, in Genesis uh, 9 again, after the, the flood and God calls Noah and the, the creatures out of the ark, uh, and he uh, gives the creatures to uh, Noah and to his descendants uh, now to, to kill and, and eat. Uh, which wasn't wasn't the case before. Uh, he says in verse four, "But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is its blood." Uh, and so we we see this idea of the the life uh, is the blood, or the life uh, is in the blood, and they're they're so uh, tightly connected together uh, that when uh, the blood goes, I mean the the life. Uh, goes of the, of the creature, and in Leviticus seventeen uh, verses uh, ten through sixteen, I'll just read uh, probably parts of this. Uh, if any one of the house of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn among them eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood, 
and will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. I heard Michael Brown, uh, an apologist, talking about this, uh, that that here the, the life is in the blood. That's why there needed to be shedding of blood. When a man sinned against God, he forfeited uh, his life. Uh, and so to make atonement, there needed to be the shedding of an innocent life and of blood, of, of, of life. And so it said that the life is in the blood. And this is uh, true for uh, creatures that are, are living creatures that have nefesh hayan, the breath of life, uh, but not true uh, of of pa- plants, uh, their their blood was not shed uh, for uh, for humans. They were not uh, an acceptable sacrifice. Uh, and in verse fourteen, uh, for the life of every creature is its blood; its blood is its life. Therefore, I have said to the people of Israel, you shall not eat the blood of any creature, for the life of every creature is its blood. Whoever eats of it shall be cut off. And so we, we see that uh, animals uh, are uh, living creatures, not plants, uh, that they have the, the breath of life and that their life is in the blood. Uh, but that's not true for plants. Uh, and then a reason for uh, plants were originally created for food. Uh, animals uh, were uh, not. Uh, and so in Genesis 1, uh, verse uh, 30 uh, or verses 29 and 30 as we've already read uh, behold I have given you every plant a yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit you shall have them for food so that's to the humans uh, and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth everything that has the breath of life I've given every green plant for food uh, and it was so. Uh, and we'll also uh, see that this brings us now uh, back to, to Noah. Uh, the, the fifth reason, uh, animal violence, uh, death, consumption is the result of the fall uh, and the curse. Uh, plant consumption uh, is not. Uh, that, that was God's original uh, plan and provision for uh, for all of his creatures. And so uh, both man and animals originally only ate uh, vegetation and uh, plants and uh, trees and uh, the, the fruit that they uh, produced. Uh, and so uh, we, we found that in uh, Genesis chapter 1. Uh, and then the, the first animal death uh, is recorded in uh, chapter uh, 3 uh, and it's after the first sin, the fall uh, the curse in uh, God's judgment uh, and in place of the, the lives of Adam and Eve so they didn't have to die God covered them in skins uh, which uh, implicitly he had to kill uh, an animal there was a sacrifice and he covered their nakedness he covered their sin uh, so that they uh, didn't have to immediately uh, die right then and there. 
Uh, and the, the first human death uh, or murder uh, is recorded in the next chapter with Cain and Abel and uh, with his descendant uh, Lamech. Uh, and then uh, permission for humans to kill and eat animals only comes after uh, the, uh, the flood. Uh, and so in Genesis chapter 9, uh, starting in verse 1, God says, uh, it says, uh, And God blessed Noah and his sons, and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand uh, they are delivered. Uh, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. And so there's a comparison. As I gave you uh, the, the plans uh, back, back then, uh, I give you uh, everything. And this is uh, when God first gave permission uh, to kill uh, and eat uh, animals. And so the, the bottom line is, in, in a biblical uh, worldview, uh, animal and human uh, death uh, is not natural. The, the death of living creatures uh, is not natural. Yes, from the perspective of the fall uh, and the curse, uh, death has entered into the world uh, and now uh, has become uh, a natural thing that we expect. Uh, but that's not how God originally made everything a very uh, good. And in the, the future, uh, the prophets talk about uh, when God uh, renews the earth uh, and brings about his kingdom, uh, there will be a change in the nature of animals uh, with respect to their behavior, uh, in their diet. Uh, and so Isaiah uh, in Isaiah 65, verse 25 says, The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. And so now predator and prey uh, graze together. Uh, and they're, they're no longer carnivorous and uh, consuming uh, one another imposing posing a threat to man in Isaiah 11 uh, verses 6 through 9 the, this is after the, the Messiah comes uh, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat uh, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together uh, and a little child uh, shall lead them uh, the cow and the bear shall graze uh, their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. Uh, the nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. Uh, they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Uh, and so it shows just a amazing, spectacular change when uh, God renews uh, the, the earth and uh, brings, brings peace. And when uh, people uh, know God, 
uh, as they, they ought to. Uh, and then the last one in Romans 8, uh, verses 18 through 22, uh, speaks about the, the creation uh, groaning. Uh, Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. And so these are believers, adopted sons and daughters of, of God. And uh, here he's talking about the creation longing uh, for this, uh, this day. Uh, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope uh, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Uh, and so uh, we're looking uh, for the, the renewal of uh, all things uh, when once again uh, God will place the renewed creation uh, under the feet of a, a, a renewed uh, humanity uh, who will reign with Christ, uh, the, uh, the perfect uh, God-man, uh, who is the, the very image of God. Uh, and so just to, to summarize, uh, living creatures are uh, active, uh, living, uh, voluntary moving beings. Uh, living creatures include uh, fish, uh, birds, beasts, and man. Uh, and living creatures are uh, distinct from the, the plants uh, because they are uh, living creatures. Uh, they are nefesh uh, They have the, the breath of life. Uh, their life uh, is in their blood. Uh, they were not originally created for food uh, as plants uh, were. In uh, their violence, death, and consumption is the result of the, the fall and the curse. Uh, and then we, we have the hope that uh, one day God will renew all things uh, and that the, the, even the, the animal kingdom uh, will be uh, totally changed. Uh, now, uh, since we've uh, covered uh, God's, God's command to create, uh, then we'll look at action and uh, evaluation of creating the, the birds in uh, the fish. So in verse 21, uh, Moses says, So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves, uh, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw uh, that it was good. Uh, and so here again we see God creating uh, by uh, his, uh, his powerful, uh, sovereign, authoritative word, uh, and includes some some general creatures like birds that that just cover uh, all of the the flying bird kinds, uh, but we also see more specifics with the the great uh, sea creatures, uh, and these uh, creatures uh, could sometimes uh, in some passages uh, perhaps refer to uh, where they borrow from these mythological sort of creatures, kind of like 
uh, dragon-type creatures and uh, powerful uh, creatures of, of sorts. Uh, but here, uh, it just refers to the, the great creatures of the sea, the large and uh, powerful creatures that uh, fill it throughout. Uh, and uh, Kenneth Matthews gives us some of the, the background about uh, the different ways that these uh, words uh, could, could be used and in the, the surrounding cultures. He says, uh, These first living creatures included uh, the great creatures of the sea, uh, taninim. Uh, tanin in Ugaritic literature has been shown uh, to be a generic term for the mythical chaos monster. At Ugarit, uh, it was an alternate designation for Yam, sea, and Lotan, Leviathan. Uh, and in the Bible, it describes a Rahab and Leviathan, uh, which are considered to be great uh, sea creatures and maybe even uh, these sorts of uh, mythical uh, sorts of uh, creatures that they would uh, allude to uh, poetically. Uh, the poets and the prophets used the imagery of Tanin, a drawing on Canaanite mythological depiction to describe God's sovereignty over the forces of nature and his victory over the historical enemies of Israel. And so sometimes these uh, nature uh, or Israel's national enemies, kings would even be uh, called as if they were these great uh, monsters that were uh, posing a, a threat uh, to, to Israel. Uh, it is clear from the theology of the prophets that they were not imbibing the underlying polytheism of their neighbors, but rather uh, were using the mythopoetic materials only for illusion to express their affirmation in the sovereignty of God. Uh, in the case of chapter 1, we have already seen how Hebrew thought differed remarkably from the ancient battle myth among the peoples of the Levant. Uh, and the Levant is just the, the great land bridge uh, between the Mediterranean uh, Sea uh, and uh, the desert. Uh, and the, this land bridge was... the. Uh, part of the area that Israel was in, uh, connecting uh, Mesopotamia uh, in modern-day Iraq uh, with the Tigris and the Euphrates uh, to the north, uh, all the way down uh, to uh, Egypt uh, to the, the south. And so that's, that's the Levant, and we'll talk more about that uh, in some of our later classes. I actually want to get into uh, uh, looking at the Satellite Bible Atlas and uh, so we, we can actually learn about the, the geography and how uh, these events took place in real space, real time, real history, on uh, real real locations. Uh, and so he, he goes on. Uh, Hebrew thought differed remarkably from the ancient battle myth among the peoples of the Levant. Uh, the Tanin, so greatly feared, is depicted as no more than a sea creature. Uh, though great in size to man's thinking, our passage shows that these creatures are numbered with the smallest of the sea in God's eyes. Uh, for all its fierce attributes, Leviathan, in God's eyes, is only a fish to be hooked or a pet for amusement. Uh, the psalmist called upon these creatures to recognize with praise their creator, 
uh, the, the Lord. Uh, and when he says uh, only a fish to be hooked or a pet for amusement, uh, he's referring to uh, Psalm 104 and Job uh, 40, 41. And so Psalm 104, uh, verse 26, and I'll start in verse uh, 24, uh, reads, uh, O Lord, uh, how manifold are your works. In wisdom have you made them all. Uh, the earth is full of your creatures. Uh, here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, uh, living things, both small and great. There go the ships and Leviathan, which you formed to play in it. <laughs> God just formed Leviathan uh, to play in the, in the sea. It, it's kind of like a little pet, uh, but it's one that strikes terror and horror uh, into the hearts of men. Uh, and so... Uh, Job uh, 41, verses 1 through 11, uh, God questions Job. Uh, Can you draw out Leviathan with a fish hook or press down his tongue with a cord? Well, the answer is no. No, I can't do that. Uh, Can you put a rope in his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Uh, Will he make many pleas to you? Uh, Will he speak to you soft words? Uh, will he make a covenant with you to take him for your servant forever? Uh, will he, you play with him as with a bird? Or will you put him on a leash for your girls? Uh, will traders bargain over him? Uh, will they divide him up among the merchants? Uh, can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? Uh, lay your hands on him. Uh, remember the battle. You will not do it again. Uh, Behold, uh, the hope of man is false. He is laid low even at the sight of him. No one is so fierce that he dares to stir him up. Who then is he who can stand before me, who has first given to me that I should repay him? Uh, Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. Uh, And so if you can't even uh, face Leviathan, then... Uh, What are you doing questioning and standing up to the one uh, who created him, who possesses uh, all things uh, whatsoever? Uh, God is a sovereign and rules over the smallest and the greatest of creatures. Uh, Just as we've seen, he rules over the the day and the night and the the heavens above and the earth and the seas and the stars and uh, heaven. Uh, So he rules even over the, the greatest of the creatures of the the sea that terrify a man. Uh, Now, uh, so those are uh, what he has filled uh, with the the seas uh, with uh, after creating the the birds and their environments. Uh, Now this brings us to the issue of uh, what uh, are uh, kinds. And we'll make some some generalizations uh, uh, with with this because we we can't cover uh, everything in like great great depth, uh, but simply biblical kinds uh, tend to be distinct uh, subgroups or uh, families of uh, animals. Uh, so like the uh, including the the birds and the fish and 
uh, it also applies to the uh, the beasts that we will uh, see on day six. Uh, and typically, uh, these biblical kinds or uh, families of, of creatures, uh, typically the, the primary borderline uh, between the, the, the kinds, the, the dividing line, uh, is whether or not uh, they can reproduce, uh, whether they can produce uh, offspring. Uh, and so, uh, generally speaking, uh, biblical kinds uh, reprodu- uh, reproduce uh, within their, their own uh, kind. Uh, so, uh, for example, uh, dog kinds re- reproduce within the, the dog kind. Uh, cat kinds uh, reproduce within the cat kind. Uh, horse kinds within the horse uh, kind. Uh, and so uh, the dog kind would include uh, domestic uh, dogs, uh, even sorts of tame pets, uh, all the way to uh, wild sorts of dogs. Uh, so the dog kind m- may include uh, wolves, huskies, Great Danes, labs, terriers, chihuahuas, uh, just all of the, the varieties that uh, reproduce uh, within their, their kind. Uh, and the, the cat kind may include uh, lions and uh, tigers and panthers and lynxes and domestic cats uh, that uh, ultimately they, they go back to the same kind, the, the animals that uh, came off the, the ark and that were to uh, fill, fill the earth uh, two by two uh, and then eventually produce all the, uh, the varieties that we see. Uh, and the, the horse kind uh, may include uh, horses, donkeys, and mules. And uh, horses and donkeys, uh, they produce mules. Uh, but uh, the kinds, uh, some, some kinds, uh, never uh, mix. Uh, you'll never find uh, bear whales. Uh, you'll never find dog sharks. I mean, you might call a certain kind of shark a dog shark, uh, but it's not, it's not a mix of half dog, half, half shark. <laughs> uh, uh, you, you don't find a uh, cat shrimp. Uh, and also, as uh, a cartoon that I, I remember, there used to be a cartoon called a uh, cat dog. You'll, you'll never find a cat dog. They, they don't mix. Uh, and so biblical kinds have boundaries. Uh, they, they, they vary within their kind, but they have boundaries that are never uh, crossed. Uh, and God created each kind by his supernatural a creative uh, work. Uh, and then I, I w- just want to compare briefly uh, biblical kinds uh, with uh, various definitions of biological uh, evolution. And this will just cover very briefly. So we'll, we'll have to oversimplify things. And it's not meant to, uh, to, to go in depth into a big science lesson. You, you can read whole, whole books and volumes on this uh, subject. But just to, to compare so that we think more clearly uh, and biblically about the, the biblical uh, kinds. And so two of these definitions of evolution are consistent with what the Bible teaches uh, about uh, kinds. Uh, one of them, however, uh, is not uh, consistent. Uh, and so the first definition uh, is just variation, uh, change uh, over time, just that there's 
change. Uh, that's uh, that's it. And uh, so if you look at, at dogs and you see uh, the, the vast variety of dogs that people uh, create, and uh, the, the most variety actually comes not out in nature, uh, but by breeders through artificial selection, uh, where, where you have varieties of every size and shape and color and different texture of hair and spots and uh, a lot of uh, easy outward visible characteristics that we uh, so so readily uh, see uh, and so uh, God has produced great potential for change uh, within a kind but they re- reproduce uh, within uh, their uh, their kind uh, and then another definition uh, just builds on change change over time uh, is adaptation. Uh, it introduces the idea there's change over time. And so you have all the varieties of dogs that you, you can see that God has uh, created. Uh, but then it uh, introduces the idea of natural selection, which is really uh, death. Uh, they say nature is selecting by uh, animals that die uh, or live. Uh, and so... Uh, those uh, varieties uh, that have a reproductive or survival advantage are more likely to reproduce uh, and thereby uh, pra- pass on uh, their, uh, their, their genes, their uh, information, their uh, hereditary uh, features, uh, and pass them uh, along. Uh, but those uh, with uh, a reproductive survival disadvantage uh, are more likely to die and thereby uh, not preserve their uh, genetic code and uh, pass uh, pass it uh, along. Uh, and so if you think about just in distinct environments, uh, animals with white fur uh, might be more likely to evade predators uh, in the Arctic tundra uh, than uh, animals with uh, black fur. Uh, they might be more likely to be uh, captured uh, and eaten by by the predators. So uh, you, you're probably going to see maybe uh, more uh, white uh, animals, uh, white uh, prey uh, in the, the Arctic tundra. They, they have a survival advantage, and so you just have change within in the kind and varieties of colors and sizes. Uh, and they have a, a survival advantage. Uh, and so uh, that, again, is uh, within the, the, the realm of just the, the biblical kinds and the, the variety that we see coming, uh, coming from the ark. Uh, but uh, the, the definition of evolution that uh, is uh, unbiblical uh, is uh, you can either describe it as descent with modification and universal common descent uh, or neo-Darwinian micromutational uh, evolutionary theory. Uh, just where uh, there are uh, mutations uh, that build up over time, uh, and they would say it's actually adding information. Uh, it's slowly, gradually, uh, over uh, billions of years, uh, adding uh, new uh, new uh, body parts, even new structures, even new, uh, as uh, Stephen Meyer would say, a new whole body plans where the. Uh, you, you have a bear and its body plan uh, is very different than a, a fish. Uh, and that uh, ultimately everything goes back uh, to uh, the first living cell, the common ancestor. Uh, and so that natural selection, 
uh, death within the environments acting on random uh, variation or mu mutations over billions of years produces all the varieties of life uh, that, that we see today uh, with all of their uh, complexity, uh, their diverse uh, forms of bodies, their body plans and uh, structures, parts, uh, functions. Uh, and it's all through small, gradual changes in development uh, over uh, time. And ultimately, everything goes back to one common ancestor. Uh, and so it's been called uh, molecules uh, to man evolution, uh, from even from uh, non-living uh, non organisms, uh, forming the, the first uh, molecules that replicate into cells, uh, to everything that we see today. Uh, or, uh, as it's been said before, and I, I think Pastor Eric uh, put it this way uh, not too long ago, uh, from goo to you uh, by the way of the zoo uh, <laughs> through, through all the variety of the, the animals. Uh, and let's just contrast this with what, uh, with what uh, Scripture teaches and also just their, their assumptions uh, that they're, they're bringing uh, to their uh, investigation of the world. Uh, and really their fundamental assumption is what we've talked about a little before uh, is methodological naturalism. Uh, they assume uh, that uh, nature is all there is, ever was, or ever will be, uh, and that at the very least, uh, at the very least, uh, we must explain uh, everything, all of history, uh, the, the universe, its origin, its structure, uh, everything, uh, by... Uh, by uh, observations of natural processes that we see uh, today uh, in, in the, the present. Uh, and so you can't observe the past. It's, it's just an assumption. Uh, but they say uh, we must explain it solely by natural processes uh, that we observe uh, today. Uh, but really, these are anti-supernatural, anti-God uh, anti-biblical assumptions. Uh, they assume God cannot act in time. God had no part in creation uh, or uh, in history. Uh, and so uh, if you just assume that, uh, just whoosh, uh, all, the, all the miracles, everything, uh, all of scripture goes right out the, the door, uh, all of it. Uh, and so uh, they, they assume that nature uh, is all there is, was, or, or uh, ever, ever will be. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, many uh, Christians uh, unwittingly, uh, probably unwittingly for, for many of them, uh, accept a methodological naturalism. Uh, they don't believe that nature is all there is, was, or ever will be. They, they believe that God exists, but... Uh, when it comes to uh, so-called uh, science uh, and to the investigation of uh, history, what's unobservable, uh, they follow the same methods uh, that, uh, that naturalists use. Uh, observing uh, present natural processes uh, and reading them back into the past. And uh, they, uh, many of them... Uh, 
uh, apply this to uh, cosmology and astronomy. In cosmology, uh, the the origin and structure of the entire uh, universe. Uh, many apply it to geology, the study of the earth and the, the rock formations. Uh, and um, many others uh, apply it to biology uh, as, as well. Uh, and when it comes to geology and bi- biology, they're just microcosms of cosmology. Uh, when you're talking about the structure and the origin of the entire universe... Uh, the earth and the rocks on the earth uh, and the, the critters that run about on the earth are just, they're parts of the universe. Uh, and so uh, they all go uh, hand in hand. And really, uh, Darwin uh, wasn't doing anything new. He was actually late on the scene. Uh, naturalistic assumptions uh, had already been applied uh, to co- uh, cosmology, to astronomy, to geology, uh, before Darwin ever came along on the scene. And many, many Christians, uh, and most of the theologians, uh, accepted uh, these uh, things uh, even before the time of Darwin. And so people people blame Darwin, uh, but it's not his fault. He, he's just uh, applying the same naturalism to uh, biology, to living things that had already been uh, applied to uh, to the universe and to uh, the rocks. Uh, and so uh, many uh, reject that God created in, uh, in six days uh, and consequently uh, accept billions of years uh, of earth history of uh, thorns, thistles, death, and animal consum- consumption, uh, which is in, in the geological record. Uh, and if, uh, if that isn't explained uh, largely by the Noahic flood, uh, and it's in the geological record, and you accept the uh, the, the billions of years of uh, Earth history, uh, then you have thorns, thistles, death, and animal consumption. You have the curse uh, before uh, the creation of man uh, and before uh, the, the fall. Uh, and there are many other problems other than talking about the, the six days uh, of creation, just even the the order of the events are inconsistent uh, with a, a big uh, bang uh, cosmology, uh, but we, we won't go into that right now. Uh, and then there are others who uh, who then apply it to uh, geology, and so they reject a, a global catastrophic uh, flood uh, because geology must be explained by uh, slow, gradual processes over uh, billions of of years, and so they either have to talk about a, a a global tranquil flood, tranquil, gentle, not not really leaving an, an impact, uh, which is uh, really absurd. <laughs> yeah, a global flood that was uh, tranquil, tranquil, uh, police peaceful. Ah, that just just makes me me calm down thinking about a, a global uh, catastrophic flood. Uh, and, and uh, or they, they have to settle for a local uh, a local uh, flood, catastrophic, but just in the Mesopotamian valley uh, by the, uh, the the Tigris and the the Euphrates. Uh, but we'll we'll deal with some of those things when we get to uh, to Noah in in the flood, uh, and others then apply it to biology uh, and uh, reject uh, uh, historical Adam. Uh, uh, some of them would have. Uh, all of the animals uh, evolving from a single common ancestor, but special creation of man. Others would have even man evolving, uh, and then God just bringing some out 
out of out of all of them uh, to be the the first humans and maybe even put uh, spirits into. Uh, and uh, actually, there are more and more uh, theologians that are uh, rejecting it right now and uh, embracing thorns and thistles and uh, death uh, before uh, before the fall. And this has been going on for uh, decades and uh, a couple centuries. Uh, and I'd uh, recommend uh, Terry Mortensen. I really want to read about this, uh, or for anyone who listens, uh, Terry Mortensen uh, wrote his uh, dissertation for his PhD uh, on some of these subjects, the scriptural geologists, uh, and just the stranglehold uh, that naturalism uh, has uh, on uh, theology and uh, much much of the, the church. Uh, but uh, what does uh, scripture teach? Uh, God uh, uniquely created uh, every uh, animal kind. Uh, he created them by his own, uh, own power, specially created them, uh, including fish and birds on day five uh, and beasts and man on day six. Uh, and we're not going to talk about the beasts as much on day six, so that's why I'm uh, covering a little more of these things. Uh, and God has designed his creatures so that they can have a great variety uh, within their kind, but a kind always begets a kind. Uh, and there are, there are boundaries uh, between the, the kinds. Uh, dog kinds always produce dog kinds. Cat kinds produce cat kinds. Uh, dogs produce cats. Cats don't produce dogs. And uh, I think it was Georgia Purdom who put it... Uh, uh, amoebas uh, do not produce biologists. Uh, uh, and so uh, scripture is consistent with just change. Uh, change is something we, we observe uh, and ad- adaptation, but uh, not a universal uh, common descent or a neo-Darwinian evolution. Uh, and then uh, after this action and seeing the kinds and the creation of the creatures, uh, we see that it says uh, in God saw uh, that it was good uh, and it's uh, this is the fifth of seven evaluations uh, and uh, here uh, we see that it's good uh, his creation of the fish and birds uh, because now the, the creation is uh, beginning to teem with uh, life uh, and with uh, flying creatures and uh, aquatic uh, creatures and uh, so we're just that that much close, closer to the uh, the completion, and uh, now uh, he is going to uh, to bless uh, his creatures, and it's the the first time that he blesses. In verse 22, it reads, And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And so here, uh, God uh, sovereignly and uh, graciously uh, blesses his uh, creatures uh, to successfully uh, reproduce uh, after the, their kinds and to 
uh, fill uh, all of the, the earth and a creation and a blessing is a very uh, prominent uh, theme. Uh, just even the, the verb uh, appears uh, 72 times in 61 verses in the, the book of Genesis. Uh, it's uh, one of the, the key themes, if not uh, the, the, the key theme, uh, along with, uh, as Matthew says, with uh, the, the idea of land, uh, blessing, uh, cursing, land, uh, being fruitful and um, multiplying and the, uh, the, the promise of the, uh, the seed uh, through which God's uh, promises come about through the, the chosen seed. And his blessings include uh, fruitfulness and multiplication and uh, filling uh, all of the seas. Uh, God originally intended for his creation to be filled and uh, teeming and over, overflowing uh, with uh, all sorts of living creatures. Uh, and as uh, many commentators say, he, uh, by his blessing, he assures or guarantees and secures uh, their, uh, their fruitfulness. Uh, Gordon Wenham uh, about the blessing says uh, God bless them and note how here and in uh, chapter 1 verse 28 chapter 2 verse 3 chapter 5 verse 2 the statement about God's blessing uh, immediately follows a mention of his creating a divine blessing continues God's benevolent work in creation and the writer exploits the verbal similarity between uh, the terms to draw attention uh, to their theological uh, relationship, uh, creation and, and blessing, uh, barak and barah. Uh, the blessing of God is uh, one of the great unifying themes of Genesis. Uh, God blesses animals, mankind, the Sabbath, Adam, Noah, and frequently the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, God's blessing is most obviously visible in the gift of children. Uh, so this is often coupled with being fruitful and multiplying. But all aspects of life can express this blessing. Crops, family, and nation. Uh, where modern man talks of success, Old Testament man talked of blessing. Although God's blessing can be uh, simply evident in a man's happy and successful life, uh, it is always regarded as the result of a divine promise of blessing. Uh, the word of blessing, whether pronounced by God or man, guarantees and effects the hoped-for success. So, here the words of command, be fruitful and multiply, carry with them the divine promise that they can be carried out. Once uttered, uh, the word carries its own life-giving power and cannot be revoked by man. And he alludes to, I, I believe, uh, uh, to uh, Isaac uh, in Jacob. Uh, and uh, Esau would not be blessed because God said that the, uh, the older will serve the younger. Uh, Genesis uh, may be described as the story of the fulfillment of the divine promises of blessing. The earth is filled with animals and man, 
and filled a second time following the flood. The patriarchs, despite initial infertility, have many children, and in spite of many foolish acts, uh, enjoy a great uh, prosperity uh, because God said that he would bless them, and God keeps uh, his promises. Uh, and so uh, this, this also shows that uh, even with the coming of sin uh, and condemnation and fall uh, and the, the curse uh, and, and death, uh, that even these things will not stop uh, God's uh, blessing. Uh, if he intends to bless uh, his creatures and to bless humanity and his creation, uh, then uh, he will bring it about uh, without any help uh, from anyone even when the forces of evil and uh, sin and the curse uh, seem to be uh, working against a blessing. Uh, God overcomes all these things. Then uh, Matthew says, uh, here at creation, uh, by this simple dictum, God provides these creatures with the security of a continued existence. The animal world is valued by God and is placed under the caretaking of humans. Uh, The startling reversal of God's attitude toward his world of creatures by the flood exhibits the enormity of the world's uh, corruption. Uh, And so uh, he he blessed at once, but then he uh, curses uh, and, and destroys life. Uh, Nevertheless, his renewed covenant uh, with the world includes uh, these creatures who will again uh, be fruitful and increase uh, in a number. Uh, And so uh, he's looking to the the future, uh, the the renewal of all things uh, in the the kingdom. Uh, And so even after the the sin of Adam uh, and the the fall and all humanity uh, falling uh, in Adam, Uh, and rebelling against God and uh, sinning against God and uh, coming under his uh, just condemnation and judgment. Uh, God purposes uh, that through the the seed of the woman will one day crush uh, the the serpent's uh, head. Uh, And uh, through uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, he talks about uh, a coming kingdom uh, and a coming uh, eternal uh, king uh, who will reign and rule and restore uh, God's blessing uh, to uh, the the earth. Uh, And uh, we know that the Jewish Messiah, the anointed king, uh, has come. Uh, Jesus Christ has come. He's uh, the the very eternal uh, son uh, of God. Uh, existing uh, in perfect communion uh, with the Father and the Spirit for, uh, for all eternity. Uh, he is God, uh, the Father is God, the Spirit is God, uh, and there, there is one God, uh, and yet they, uh, they are three uh, distinct uh, persons. Uh, and he lived a sinless life, uh, as the prophet said he would, like Isaiah and Isaiah 53, and uh, he was the suffering servant who 
suffered and was rejected by uh, his own people and uh, also by the, the Gentiles, the, the nations around him. They, uh, they, he wasn't the king that they were looking for. Uh, they uh, didn't want a suffering, uh, crucified a Messiah. Uh, they weren't looking uh, for someone to save them from their sins, uh, but only to save them uh, from their uh, political enemies uh, so that they'd have a, a merely political kingdom and a, a political salvation, uh, but not uh, the, the salvation of their souls uh, from the, the wrath of God. Uh, and so uh, he, on the cross, he bore the, the sins, the condemnation, the death, and the penalty of judgment uh, that was uh, due to all who would uh, trust in him and uh, repent, uh, turning uh, from their sins and trusting in anyone or anything else but the, the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect Savior. Uh, and uh, he died, he was buried, uh, he was uh, raised uh, again. As Paul says, uh, he was raised for, for our just, justification. Uh, and then he uh, ascended uh, after uh, being seen by uh, many eyewitnesses, he uh, ascended on high to the, the right hand of God uh, where he sits on the very throne of God and rules over his church uh, until his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. Uh, and one day uh, he will uh, come again uh, and return for those who trust in him. Uh, but uh, for every uh, rebel and sinner and Everyone who disobeys him, uh, he will come in uh, judgment uh, and he will destroy them uh, and judge them uh, and ultimately throw them into the eternal uh, lake of fire. Uh, and so uh, it, it's both uh, an exhortation, uh, an invitation of, of sorts uh, to uh, repent and believe. Uh, but it's also a, a command uh, that all sinners, God is commanding uh, to repent and to believe in the good news, uh, to believe in the crucified and resurrected Messiah, and that uh, they will uh, be saved uh, from their sins, uh, that they will inherit eternal life, uh, and that they will uh, reign forever uh, with Christ in his kingdom and in the kingdom of God in the new heavens and new earth, uh, where uh, righteousness dwells, and there is no, uh, there is no death, uh, and even, uh, even the the animal kingdom and all of the animals of the earth will uh, will be changed, and uh, there will uh, once again be uh, peace with man and peace uh, with the creation, because uh, first there must be uh, peace, uh, shalom with, uh, with God, and so. Uh, let's just uh, pray uh, and then we can close. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and uh, thank you uh, that we're moving along and uh, that we've had the opportunity to uh, study Genesis uh, this far and I pray that we would come to know you all the more and that we would uh, love you and uh, desire to 
serve you and that you would uh, produce uh, that desire uh, in us uh, through, uh, through your Holy Spirit and uh, through your Son. I pray that we would abide in him and that uh, he would produce fruit in us for uh, we can do nothing apart from him, uh, nothing uh, apart from, from your word. And so pray that you would uh, give us and all, all who listen to your word, that you give us uh, open ears and uh, eyes to see uh, so that we would be taught and instructed by you. And I pray that uh, ultimately all your promises would come to pass. And I also pray that we would uh, handle your word properly, uh, that we would uh, believe it uh, even uh, where the culture goes against your word and uh, try to uh, also foolishly uh, explain the uh, unobservable past and the, the origin of all things. Uh, apart from you uh, as if you did not exist and uh, you were not uh, active and working supernaturally and powerfully uh, in uh, your uh, creation Uh, so we pray that we would uh, give you uh, all the glory and that we would uh, trust always in your son uh, by your grace and by uh, the regeneration and life that your spirit uh, produces in us and so we uh, thank you for these things and we thank you uh, for your son our savior and uh, in his name we pray amen